A reading from the book of Acts that can be found on page 1093 of the Church Bibles. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as he said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, 
gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Women had said that they did not see Jesus. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Your seats. And before I come to speak, we're just going to look at a, at a little excerpt from an interview um, on the BBC One show with the Reverend Nicky Gumbel. Um, so, Martin, can you? Well, one man that certainly knows what he's doing is Reverend Nicky Gumbel. Welcome, Nicky. Thank you so much. Now, the church is looking to answers to as, as to why the pews are less full then, but in your congregation there's about 4,000 every Sunday, which is incredible, really. So what is your church doing different to other churches? I think it's not just our church. I think there are lots of churches that are full. What I see is a huge spiritual hunger amongst young people. Uh, you know, we, we run the Alpha Course three times a year. We get about 1,000 people each time. Mm-hmm. And the average age is 27. 75% of the guests are aged between 18 and 35. And I think people are asking questions. What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? What happens when I die? What about forgiveness? What about guidance? These are questions everybody asks about. Is that what they ask at the Alpha Course? Is that the whole yeah, point so, of that? Then? Well, they can ask anything they like. That's the whole point. It's a okay. place where they come. They have a meal. They have a talk. Who is Jesus? Why did he die? Uh, how does God guide us? Mm-hmm. Then they have coffee, and then they have a small group. And it's, then they can ask questions. It's not about being preached at. It's very low-key, non-confrontational, mm-hmm. unpressurized. It's a group of friends sitting around together discussing the big questions, the big questions of life. Mm. But what techniques then do you use to get hold and to reach out to those young people in the first place? It, they mainly come through word of mouth. People have you know, an experience of God which often changes their lives and they say to their friends, come and see. And uh, people realise that it's not actually about rules or religion, it's about a relationship with God. That's the heart of it. Mm. And when they experience that relationship... I, I was an atheist. I came from a, an atheist background. And I had an encounter with Jesus that radically changed my life. You were a lot, well, barrister. I was a barrister, yeah, but I was, I was a Christian barrister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's as far away from Jesus. <laughs> it's a radical life change. Yeah. When you say you had an, an encounter with Jesus, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I, I read the New Testament. I, because people, I, I met people who said they, 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 ha, they knew Jesus. And I thought, oh, what on earth are they talking about? They're completely mad. And so I, I read the New Testament because I wanted to find out what it was all about. And in the pages of the New Testament, it was, it was as if Jesus came alive. And I, I started to, to, to realize that you actually could know this person. And Johnny, you've yeah. recently found your religion again, haven't you, over the last few years? I, I went back looking because it's something that doesn't quite go away. I, I had yeah. a Christian upbringing, but I haven't always lived a Christian lifestyle. Oh, and never. I've, <laughs> I've fought against it, but um, I, I, I think innately there's something that, you know, there's a goodness there. I, 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 my parents, I think, are the people they are and got through what they got through yeah. mm. and managed to give me the upbringing they did because of the faith. Mm. 
but then when it jars with things, it, there's a real thing to want to get rid of it, but it can't. Yeah. It's well, it's doing you good. I mean, you're looking well. Yeah. well I'm looking good, yeah. but I'm breathing in the entire time. <laughs> Dear Lord, I pray that you would come by your spirit, that you would help me to speak, and that you would give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. There was something that I found uh, quite remarkable in that interview, something that, that Nicky Gumbel said, because not that he has followed 4,000 people in his congregation, which is remarkable, but that wasn't it. Not because he has 1,000 people on his Alpha course, because that is remarkable, but that's not it. But the thing I found remarkable was the sto his story of his journey to faith. Because here was an atheist lawyer, and... And through the, through, by reading the pages of the New Testament, he met with Jesus. And his life, as he said, his life was completely transformed. He, he, he ended up coming out of the legal profession, um, obviously going into um, ministry in the Anglican Church, and then going on through the Alpha Course to tell millions of people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And, you know, lawyers... Lawyers like evidence, they like proof, they like facts, they like to be sure of things. And there was Nicky, an atheist, didn't believe in God at all, read the pages of the New Testament. And as he did, the Holy Spirit shine, shone a light on those scriptures and he met with Jesus and it transformed his life. And the connection with our passages this morning is that in many ways, exactly the same thing happened to the people involved in those two stories. And um, the first one I'm going to turn to is, is the one that Carol um, gave us a little insight into on the Emmaus Road. Because here are these two disciples walking down the road to Emmaus. Stephen Cottrell, the last Bishop of Reading, he often used to preach on this passage. In fact, I'm sure it's his favourite passage of Scripture. And he always used to say that those two disciples were walking in the wrong direction. And that doesn't mean they were lost. It doesn't mean they were actually walking sort of home towards their, where they lived. But they were going in the wrong direction because the action was back in Jerusalem where they were coming from. Jesus had been crucified in Jerusalem. Um, they'd found the tomb empty that morning. And these two disciples were walking away, dejected. And as they're walking along, as we heard, Jesus comes alongside them, although they don't recognize him. And he strikes up a conversation. In verse 17, he says, well, what are you discussing together? He just wants to join in the conversation. And they sort of turn to him, very downcast, and, and they kind of say, well, are you the only person who hasn't heard what's going on in Jerusalem over this weekend, and, and they, they say, look, Jesus was crucified, and, <clears throat> and his, the tomb was found empty, and we, we don't know where they've taken the body, we, we don't know what's happened, and he says to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe. Did not the Messiah, in verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That must have been amazing. Could you imagine it, spending hours with Jesus, opening the scriptures for you? 
It must have been the world's greatest Bible study. I wish I'd been there. And, and they walk along with him. And as, and as Carol said, they, they get to the end of their destination. And the, the disciples invite the stranger. They haven't recognized Jesus at this point. They invite him in for a meal. And, and he's recognized as, as he breaks the bread to give thanks for the meal at the beginning of the meal. And, and then he disappears. But it was Jesus opening the scriptures that had caused their hearts to burn, we're told, in verse 27. Were not our hearts burning within us? That's the work of the Holy Spirit, illuminating the Scriptures. And as a result, they meet with Jesus. And what do they do? Immediately, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. As Stephen Cottrell would say, they turned around through 180 degrees and they started going in the right direction to where the action had been and where it would be seven weeks later when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples at Pentecost. They were transformed. And Jesus is still doing this today. He's coming alongside people who are walking through their lives in the wrong direction. And he's meeting with them and he's turning their lives around. Do you remember a couple of months ago, we had Grant from CCA came over and he told his story. A young man who was wasting his life away in a cloud of cannabis. Um, he, was, he, 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 was on, he was drawing benefits, but he wasn't even trying to find a job. He was doing nothing with his life by his own admission. And one day he walked into the charity shop to buy something and one of the staff members said, why don't you just come in and volunteer for an hour or two? And something made him do that. And over the weeks and months, the staff's encouragement and then their invitation to an Alpha course and then their invitation to church led him to meet with Jesus as he heard the scriptures unraveled, as he he heard the scriptures revealed. He met with Jesus and his life was completely transformed. And today he's the fully paid up manager of the shop and living a wonderful life and, and at every opportunity, telling people about the love of God in Jesus Christ. And in the second passage, there's a kind of similar thing, only with many more people. Because in the second passage, we catch the end of Peter's speech to the crowds in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And Peter has been unfolding the scriptures to the crowds. He's just told them about the prophet Joel's prophecy of the coming of the Holy Spirit. He's just told them about King David's prophecy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's just told them all about, uh, through Psalm 110, the prophecy of Jesus' ascension to heaven. He's unfolded the scriptures for them. And at the end he concludes, which is the second verse that is written in your service sheets, He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. In other words, the man whose blood you were baying for seven weeks earlier, crucify him, crucify him. That man is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the people are cut to the heart. Just like the disciples' hearts were burning on the road with Jesus, the the, the crowds, they're cut to the heart. 
the Holy Spirit also brings conviction of sin, and they realized what they'd done. And they realized it demanded a response. And so they said in verse 37, when the people heard this, they said, brothers, what should we do? How can we possibly make up for that? How can we respond? And Peter replies in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. First of all, he says repent. In other words, make that 180 degree turn. In the ways that you're living your lives in the, going in the wrong direction, turn around and go in the other direction. And he says, be baptized. Why? For, he says, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness assures us of the past. It takes care of everything that's happened in the past. It wipes our slates clean. God's love, his forgiveness, says you are not held to account. And the Holy Spirit assures us of the future. The Holy Spirit empowers our Christian lives for the future. And some people, perhaps at the mention of baptism, would say, well, I, you know, I, was, I was baptized as a child. You know, that's good enough, isn't it? That makes me a Christian, doesn't it? Um, I don't have to go to church, or I don't have to do this or do that, or, or anything else. That, that's enough, surely. But Peter is unequivocal here. Peter explains the four, the four elements of Christian initiation. Repentance, he says repent. Baptism, he says be baptized. Putting our faith in Jesus, receiving his forgiveness, and receiving the Holy Spirit. Those are all elements that make up Christian initiation. An infant baptism isn't a substitute for an adult faith. That's why we get confirmed. That's why we affirm our baptismal vows. That's, as an adult at some point, we have to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus. And then we receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower our Christian lives. One of the reasons I love doing the Alpha course and running the Alpha course is because I love seeing people meet with Jesus as the scriptures are open to them, as they discover for themselves that Jesus is a person who we can have a relationship with, who leads us to God. And, and it's wonderful seeing people come on Alpha and seeing their lives transformed, just as the people's lives were transformed when Peter called them to repentance. And so the crowds had, had two choices. There are only two choices when, when we're faced with this. We can either open our hearts to God and say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm up for change. I'm prepared to be transformed by your love. Or we say, no thanks, I'd rather do life my way. Now, is that a lifestyle choice? Is it just a sort of take it or leave it thing? Well, certainly not according to Peter. Peter says in verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves, he says, from this corrupt generation. In other words, he was looking at those people and seeing them as sort of on a slippery slope, sliding towards the edge of a cliff. 
to, to Peter, to Jesus, to, to those who would follow him. It's a matter of life and death, how we respond. And to those who accepted his message, in verse 41, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amazing. 3,000 said, yes, I want to repent and do life God's way. The scriptures are so important because the, as we read the scriptures, and my, one of my encouragements to you this morning is, is find time on a daily basis to pick up the scriptures and open them up and read them. Because as we read the scriptures, the written word of God, we meet with the living word of God, Jesus Christ. And our lives are transformed, like Grant's life, like Nikki's life, like my own life, like many people here today. And as our lives are transformed, as we meet with Jesus, we experience the love of God. Amen.